Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hey, Seattle. Hey, Puget Sound. Happy Hour Radio is live and in your house. Uh, thanks for tuning in. It's Saturday night at 6 o'clock all around the Puget Sound. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and a commodore of cocktails. Uh, I've got uh, some great guests today. Um, I've got the founder of Dry Soda here in Seattle. She's uh, just launched some new flavors, and we're going to chat up about the inspiration behind Dry Sodas, to taste, of course, the great lineup of flavors, and we're going to make some cocktails, so that's coming up in the show. But uh, as you know, if you are uh, relatively new or native here to Seattle, you know that we've got a huge Nordic, uh, Swedish, uh, you know, we got uh, we got the people from Ballard, <laughs> the fishermen, and uh, there's a brand new event, uh, which the Nordic Heritage Museum is producing. Uh, it's actually uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, it's called the Nordic Culinary Festival, and uh, I've got uh, one of the uh, foremost Nordic culinary well, experts on the phone. He's down in L.A. Callie Bergman is the founder and author of uh, Honest Cooking, which is a, a cookbook. We're going to chat all about it, but right now let's get into the Nordic cuisine. So, Callie, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so, uh, Honest Cooking, you wrote a book. and Do you have some Nordic blood in you? Are you part Norwegian or Danish or Denmark and Swedish? Well, I'm, 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 my blood is 100% Swedish, to be honest. I was born and bred in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, and then I've also spent uh, about 10 years in Denmark, and I ma- managed to marry a, a Danish woman, so I, I'm very <laughs> All right, you sound authentic. Very good. Uh, so you wrote a cookbook, Honest Cooking. Tell me a little bit about, about that. Well, in fact, it's not a cookbook. We, uh, we're a digital food magazine. So, oh. Uh, we do, but we do a lot of Nordic food uh, on there, and, and we do recipes and stories and, and, and interviews with not just Nordic, but, but a lot of it com- coming from me, obviously, has been centered around writing about uh, both traditional Nordic food, but also about the new Nordic movement that has been going on for the last 10 years or the so. The new Nordic movement. Interesting. Um, so you say that's a 10-year-old movement. Uh, how did What sort of um, qualifies as being Nordic cuisine? Well, I mean, it, it really depends on how you look at it. Because first and foremost, obviously, before the new Nordic movement, there there was still food in, in the Nordic region. Um, so um, the, the traditional Nordic cooking um, is the you know is the, the grandma cuisine of of the Nordic region, if you will, is the one that the, the cooking that I grew up with in the seventies and eighties. Um, that is more heavy meat and potatoes type food, uh, a lot of sauce, um, a lot of based on you know pickling and curing and things like that. Um, and that's where you find like the, the classic Nordic cooking, like. Swedish meatballs or um, you know Danish pork roast and things like that. Whereas the new Nordic cuisine is is a is kind of a chef driven about a little over ten year old movement that has a much lighter touch to it. Uh, it's a lot more about seasonality, about sustainability, um, about lo- local products and local cooking. Um, a lot less meat. A lot more seafood and a lot more vegetables, and and that type of cooking um, is is a 
lot about uh, less about preparations and a lot, a lot more about you know taking a product at its prime and then just presenting it simply um, without doing too many things with it or taking a product before it's prime maybe when it's unripe uh, to get some acidity into a dish uh, instead of instead of using uh, lemons or lime or something like that. Interesting. And when uh, you, we talk about Denmark and, and Sweden, what are sort of do you have a full range of crops in, in uh, livestock? Obviously, you mentioned pork, um, and Swedish meatballs makes me think veal, of course, beef. Well, but what are the major uh, protein staples there for some of these Nordic countries? Um, it, it varies, actually, quite a lot across the region. I think that um, Denmark is a very kind of pork-heavy uh, country. I think it's, in fact, the biggest pork producer in the world has more 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 pigs than people actually in the, in the country. <laughs> wow so like New uh, Zealand and lamb I guess huh same thing uh, yeah and then and then if you look at Sweden uh, a lot you know there's a big you know livestock beef production uh, some lamb production and then you have a very very big tradition of wild game um, whereas uh, whereas Norway has traditionally a lot of goats and sheep and then a Obviously, considering the, the vast coastline towards the Atlantic, um, a lot of seafood there. Oh, that's exciting! So, when you, um, you it sounds reminiscent of the uh, '80s movement here in the Pacific Northwest, what we call nouvelle cuisine. I mean, things were getting a little more simple, just presented, and everything was seasonal. Is, is do you ever heard about nouvelle cuisine here in the Northwest? Yeah, I think that you know these kinds of movements they happen, you know on and off throughout the world. And I think if you look at what's happening right now across the globe, um, what is, what has happened with the Scandinavian and the Nordic cooking has happened everywhere. You see it, you know, you see it down here in LA where people are kind of rediscovering local traditions and then local products. And then you see it, you know, if you go to Australia, there's a whole movement around rediscovering native and indigenous products that no one has used for, you know, 50 years or hundred years. <laughs> uh, and you know, th this is happening all across the globe. I just think that, you know, the Nordic, Nordic movement became kind of the steam engine and mainly because there was a couple of really influential chefs that were, uh, you know, that, that that became those like marquee names within the chef world. So, uh, Well, you know, speaking of chefs, you have a name here, Magnus Nilsson, and he's a, a two-star Michelin chef from uh, Sweden. Where is he from? He's from Sweden, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, and uh, have you ever dined at his restaurants or do you know about uh, Magnus Nilsson? Yeah, Magnus is, is is very interesting, and his story is, is pretty pretty awesome. I think uh, he's a he's a he's a really nice guy, almost a little bit like awkward, but but he is uh, he's <laughs> the nicest guy, and he's been you know one of the most important figures in the new Nordic movement. But but he's also pretty different from a lot of the other restaurants and chefs that are within the movement because his restaurant is based you know in the north of Sweden. Um, behind the mountain, out in the wilderness, uh, you know, very, very far from, from any culinary center in the region. I think, like, the closest place where you would kind of fly into would be, you know, a two-and-a-half-hour drive. If you go from Sweden or from Stockholm, it would be, like, 400 miles from Stockholm to, to, go, to go to his restaurant. So, wow. um, you know, by that, he's kind of developed his completely own take on this. And, you know, he his background was that he worked in, three-star Michelin restaurants in Paris for many years and, and, and was successful at, at that um, before he kind of decided to, to leave the restaurant world, at, at least as a chef. And he came back to Sweden and um, 
became a sommelier and he, you know, he wanted to get a career in wine instead. Cool. And, um, yeah, you would appreciate that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, he, uh, he was hired to be the sommelier at, um, a private hunting estate in Northern Sweden that belonged to a very wealthy Swedish family. Wow. And they, you know, you could go there and I think you could actually buy tickets to go or like go there and hunt and but it was it was actually also private estates so people like they took their friends and business partners there hunting and they had a, a restaurant there there that wasn't super ambitious but you know he was going to be the the, the sommelier there uh, but what happened was that just very shortly after he arrived the head chef quit so uh, and there was no one else there so he was you know kind of forced to step in and take over the restaurant as the chef and then obviously you know, over the course of, of, of a couple of years, he really started to develop what is now a completely unique dining experience because everything, almost everything, I would say um, 99% of the stuff that they have and that, that they use in the restaurant is either things that they've killed themselves, uh, that they've grown themselves, uh, that they've foraged themselves, or that they've fished themselves. So actually both Magnus and his sous chefs, you, you know, if you go... Um, to any of their social media, you will see, you know, them out there on skis with weapons in hand, oh. hunting for whatever is going to be on the plates that same night. So a biathlon kind of, of some sort, huh? That's pretty cool. Yeah. So he's kind of a combination of, of new Nordic, but also very, like, very, very traditional in the way that, you know, we kill it, then we eat it, and not just, like, <laughs> fly it in from, from France or something like that. Wow, very cool. How old is this uh, Magnus? Is he in his 40s, I take it, or is he a little younger? He is younger than that. Yeah. I would say he's in, he's probably 33, 34. Or yeah, since he's got a lot of energy, and uh, that's cool that yeah. he's gone from uh, sommelier to chef to chef to sommelier. And tell me, um, what are some of the classic spirits or wines or beers that, that the alcoholic drinks uh, from the Nordic islands? I mean, Akavit would be something we all might know, but there's got to be more to it than that. Well, I mean, yes. Too boring. I think if, if, whereas like some people have seen a silver lining in climate change and like the promise of Scandinavia eventually turning into wine country, uh, that really hasn't happened yet. And then there really is no wine industry in the Nordic region in terms of growing wines. Uh, there is a very, very small uh, kind of experimental growing happening in southern Denmark, but that's on a super small and very exclusive scale. So there's no kind of mass production of wine at all. Um, spirits, distilled spirits, definitely. Uh, Aquavit is, is, as you know, is the traditional spirits of, 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 of Scandinavia. It, it still very much is the, 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 the type of spirit you put on your table if, if for Easter lunch or Christmas lunch or midsummer party. <laughs> I like this it's lunch like action. You party. got the bottle out of lunch. That's cool. Yeah, so the lunches there are usually very heavy, so you need some sort of digestive to kind of uh, calm your nerves right. afterwards, and uh-huh. or maybe even before sometimes. Um, so that's still very much is the, the, the traditional spirit of the, of the region, and and there there is a there is a budding kind of craft distillery uh, movement happening, but it's still very early on. But so where I think that the most interesting things are happening is is on the beer scene. Um, there, there are really, really interesting breweries from the the, the microest of microbreweries to to kind of world influencers like uh, McKellar, uh, who you know is 
is based out of Copenhagen, but now has uh, beer bars across the globe, and you know his beers are, are, are you know, hailed as some of the best in the world. And you wow. have Evil Twin Brewery, which is based here in the, the states, but also with Danish heritage. Huh. There are others in Stockholm, small breweries like a, the Universum, which is a, a rock and roll brewery in Stock out of Stockholm uh, that are doing really cool things with fruit beers. So there, there is a really interesting craft beer uh, movement happening, um, and, and and it's re- very much kind of begun to team up with the new Nordic kind of food movement as well, where there's a very close relationship with a lot of the restaurants and the, and the brewers. That makes sense. I think I've seen that, you know, wherever you are, if food elevates, then the, the beverage scene elevates and vice versa, because those uh, pubs have better food and better beer and usually more artisan, more expensive, and so they, they have a different clientele when it comes down to it. That's very exciting. So this Nordic Heritage Museum, one of the pride of Ballard, um, is hosting the uh, uh, well, Nordic Culinary Conference, and uh, that's taking place May 6th to the 8th. Uh, the Hot Stove Society, led by one of our dear chefs, Tom Douglas, is hosting Magnus Nilsson there. Um, anything else happening there at the uh, Nordic um, Culinary Conference? You're giving a speech, right? Well, yeah, I'm I'm doing a, a keynote keynote speech on on Friday evening, and then I'm I'm hosting a. Uh, a Swedish meatball class on Sunday in the daytime. Oh, that's right. So, so quickly, very, very traditional. I love it. Quickly, what's the secret to great Swedish meatballs? Uh, that's having a really great mom that can hand you down. Oh, breath. I see. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> you got You have to have an inside track, apparently. Pretty fun. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those one of those things, right? That you pass down from generation to generation, and and it's it's different from family to family. So what, what my mom taught me, uh, you know, if I cook that for another Swede, they will say, well, you know, it needs to be a little bit more uh, in there. Or right. they, you know, you know, because we all have our own, you know, what, whatever we had when we were three, four years old, then you're set for life. That's the that's the taste it needs to be. You know. I love it. Well, I look forward to uh, meeting you when you come up here for uh, this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Nordic Culinary Conference. Um, final question: Do peep do Swedes actually go to IKEA and buy the Swedish meatballs? <sighs> uh, I wish I could say no. Um, <laughs> well, it makes but... sense. We do, so we like them. Um, so fun. Well. Um, Kelly Bergman, thanks so much for joining me in Happy Hour Radio. I'll see you at the Nordic Culinary Conference this week. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Ciao. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, folks, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two. Hope you got something great in your glass and uh, maybe digging on some Nordic cuisine. That'd be fun. Uh, my next guest is uh, an entrepreneur, um, a leader, a mentor, and uh, a really cool chick. Sheryl uh, Klaus is the uh, founder of Dry Soda. And Sheryl, uh, hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, it is exciting. Um, your product has been one of my favorites uh, since your uh, debut, I think it was what, oh. Eight oh nine oh five oh five. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's been a good long ten years. Yeah, ten years. Congratulations. Thank well, you. let's talk about dry soda. Um, well, how did you get started into this this business? 
Well, you know what? I'm very entrepreneurial, that's for sure. Um, but back uh, when I went back in 2000, I guess it was about the end of 2004, I had had, I just had my fourth child. And so basically I've been experiencing a 10-year drought of being able to drink wine <laughs> due to all the pregnancies and such. And I really, really love pairing wine with food. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm a total foodie, without a doubt. And I just realized I was really missing that experience. And there was this opportunity to go to the French Laundry. And I was like, well, I don't want to go if I can't drink wine because really that's just half the meal for me right there. And the French it. Laundry is uh, Thomas Keller's uh, world-acclaimed yes. uh, restaurant in Napa Valley. Sorry, I assume everybody knows yeah, that know. since well, it's you, my big favorite place in the world. Reservations are like four months, six months in advance <laughs> exactly. if you can get one. But uh, definitely a, uh, a bucket list, if yes. not sooner. Yes. Anyway, so that is really where it got me thinking about why isn't there something out there that you can drink that really could pair with food that's not wine? And that was where all these different flavor ideas came in. Um, originally, my first idea was like basil. I'm like, wouldn't that be amazing if you had like a basil soda? But I was pretty confident the world wasn't ready for basil yet. <laughs> but I started just thinking through that and um, learned more about the industry and just realized I think this is exactly what the world needs. I don't think I'm the only person that feels this way, that if it could really just elevate soda, that would be so cool. Just make soda beautiful, right? Right. Uh, a la Perrier, you know, the the effervescent, the the... The classic styles of, of flavors, but clean and, and pure. We want purity when we think about sparkling water, right? Well, when I wanted to create something that was very much about the flavor. So sparkling water is going to be pretty thin, and it's going to be a little bit harder to to pair with food. But So I wanted to have really full flavors, but it had to be, I mean, because I'm coming at it from a wine perspective. So it was going to, uh, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. nothing's going to, com- you know, I can't replace wine, but it really had to be really, really on those flavors. And so that's why lavender was the, kind of the next flavor I came up with. And, and it was really challenging to get that. That one right, but there was a picture in my head of exactly what that was going to be like. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very um, soothing and very much lavender. So I just started working on all those flavors and working on them in my kitchen, um, trying to do extracts and things like that. And it was a really fascinating experience of going through that. And but it, being able to, it was so fun trying to come up with those first floor flavors that I thought would pair with different kinds of food. So we had lavender because I thought that'd be amazing with chocolate, mm. and then I came up with kumquat because those are actually my favorite fruit. Oh, wow. And I thought it'd be nice to have a a, a, a citrusy, because you know with the kumquat, you get the bitter and the, and the sweet. Right, yeah. And then rhubarb. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandma makes rhubarb pie for me, and there's always lots of rhubarb in the Northwest here. And I thought <laughs> it was so bold and had different complexity. And then lemongrass. And mm. I think um, I kind of talked to you about this when I first met you, that lemongrass was um, to really because of the Asian fusion that was happening so much here in Seattle. So... It's all about trying to really be culinary. Ah, yeah, that's great. Did you have a culinary background or a wine background before, or are you just a big fan? Just a big, just, just a big drinker. Big drinker. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. No, and I, I didn't have a culinary background. Just a, you know, a home a home chef. I'm super passionate about it, and spend a lot of time, like I said, a total foodie. So I study lots of it. And um, I, what I actually ended up doing was studying a lot about how wine is made and wine pairing, so I could understand how to go about that with dry. Cool. Did you consult some sommeliers or some textbooks, or how did you find uh, gain some information on this, some background? Well, I'd, I read a lot of books. Um, I didn't actually consult with any sommeliers, but I did with chefs. So um, before I even started, I worked with Monique Barbeau. Who I Monique Barbeau. It's a name you probably haven't heard for a while. But. I haven't. I remember <laughs> Monique from Fuller's fame. Exactly. And she was extremely helpful and um, really worked with me and taught me a lot as well. And she did lots of tasting and things like that. And then um, about six months into it, I started working with Jason Wilson from uh, Crush. Of course. We love Jason. And he was amazingly helpful and actually helped create um, the juniper berry that we have now as well as the vanilla bean. Excellent. And uh, so you started this pr- 
project. When was your reservation for French Laundry? Was that in oh three, oh four, or something? Or it what? was. Yeah, it was oh four. Oh four, and so yeah. in oh five, you decided that uh, you're going to start. Well, uh, a culinary invention or a beverage invention, and and yet something that seems so necessary in the world when people mm-hmm. don't drink and and people want to have an experience with food and mm-hmm. beverage. Yep. Um, what was out there for you to sort of investigate? Well, I just started looking at what um, the carbonated soft drink business in general. I went down to a fancy food show um, oh. in January of '05, and I thought there's got to be something. I'm just not knowing what it is. There's got to be something like that. I went walked the entire show. There wasn't anything. Not even Crystal Pepsi? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was pretty tasty, sure. (laughs) Um, So that was when I realized, you know what, this is is absolutely something we need. And it was a bigger vision for me. It was like really, truly going to be a new category of carbonated soft drinks for people. Right. When we say soft drinks, in, in this essence, you're you're really talking about um, something without alcohol. But mm-hmm. when we think of soft drinks, we think high sugar mm-hmm. and um, fake colors and things like that. But uh, your your dry soda idea is, is on the pure side, right? Absolutely. There's only four ingredients. It's um, clear. We never put any coloring in there or anything. Because, again, it's all about those flavors. So as pure as you can get that. We vary the acidity levels as well, so that because with those flavors and how that pairs, just like a wine, acidity levels pair differently. So we had to work with the acidity levels too. So it was really, and I did all these in my kitchen. Um, the first four flavors. Now we work with um, we work with you know different um, food scientists and things like that to you know to make the science. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Well, and we actually work with chefs as well. So what we'll do is we'll have the chefs help us create some of these flavors, and then we'll take those. Um, to you know our different flavor um, companies that we work with, and then we put those together. But those are first original four, mixing them up in my kitchen, and it was it was it was tough going sometimes, but it was an amazing experience and one that I'm gives me obviously a lot of experience. And as we create more flavors now, what you know how to make them and. And it's interesting, too, um, in the last 10 years, the um, effervescent industry has really exploded. There's a lot more effervescent things, whether it's ciders mm-hmm. or even um, sparkling waters, which you go to, like the Safeway. I, I love sparkling water. Mm-hmm. I drink a lot of it, and so I would always look for club soda. Even club soda wasn't that great, but the, sometimes people came out with some, some products that were really, really special, and there's one out of Michigan, I think, that can't think of that box oh, okay. name, but it's um, uh, just clear sparkling waters that, okay. that were softer. Now, did you, are you using, uh, obviously you're using Pacific Northwest waters, the Cedar River? Actually, uh, it's a, it's in Portland, and it's uh, oh. from the, the watershed up at Mount Hood. Okay, yeah, great. So. <laughs> so we got Northwest snow in those, in those exactly. uh, bottles. And um, did you... Were there some plants? Or was Jones Soda going at that time? Yeah, and that was a you know Jones is kind of like the opposite of what what dry is, and that it's you know it's super sweet and lots of really cool flavors. But it was a and brilliant colors. brand and lots of crazy colors. But it was a brilliant brand, and the way that um, Peter Van Stock, who started the company, the way he went to market was really interesting. Where he went after you know skateboarders and young people. So I thought that he was very inspirational to me. And when I started mine, which was obviously completely a different direction, but um, and we started here in Seattle. We started in restaurants. We weren't even even in retail stores yeah. right at the beginning, although very quickly within, okay, like three weeks, <laughs> well, <you realize laughs> the grocery stores, well, the grocery stores were calling, QFC called, oh, and really? they were interested, so oh, yeah. That's and, a big hit there for QFC, Yeah, I mean, stepping it up. But it was funny, though, when I, how I got into QFC is the buyer made me go and um, taste all the um, wine sommeliers. So all this, because, you know, QFC oh, yeah. has um, those right, the wine, wine stores. stores. Yep. So I had to go in and... Um, I was pouring in the back room with the wine stewards, um, and that's how I got in my first 30 QFCs, and now we are in every Kroger in the country. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. So um, speaking with Cheryl Klaus, who is the founder, um, what's your title with Dry Soda? 
CEO and founder. CEO and founder. Excellent. Is that the chief, uh, no, carbonation executive <laughs> officer? <laughs> Sometimes I just say princess. The princess. Oh, very good. I like that. It denotes youthful, right? <laughs> right exactly. Something like that. Um, I love it. And uh, so Dry Soda, when did you incorporate? When did you actually think that or make it a business? Uh, right away. So within probably within the first month. Oh, um, all right. Went, so actually, from the time I came up with the concept and when I launched, it was only six months. So it was it was really quick, especially considering I had four little kids, like seven and under at that time, <laughs> ages yeah one to seven. And um, so yeah, it was. I knew it was a business idea right from the beginning, and I knew it was not just a small one, but a really large business idea. And so I was I was pretty excited. So I and I brought investors in, and so we have a lot of Seattle investors and. So We've yeah, got a, a great tr- angel uh, industry here. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> I couldn't do it without being here in Seattle, that's for sure. Uh, so fun. Well, how many incarnations of the brand name did you go through? <laughs> what was the first one? You know what? It, I There was lots of ideas. And that is funny that you asked that because I have no idea. I can't remember any of them because I, I remember I came up with the name Dry really quickly. I remember what chair I was sitting in. We used to call it the thinking chair yeah. <laughs> in my house. I was sitting there, and I thought it was the most brilliant mm-hmm. idea. Sometimes, you know, people are, obviously, I hear the phrase all the time, why is it called dry? It's not, you know, it's not powdered or whatever. Oh, wow. Um, but I just, because I thought dry really connotes the fact that this is going to be wine style and less sweet. And so that was really, uh, to me, that just seemed brilliant. I mean, it doesn't always seem brilliant. Sometimes now it's a little bit, but, <laughs> but to me, at some point, I thought that was brilliant. So, and I, it's so funny you asked that. No one has ever asked me that question before, and now I can't remember. Oh, well, I, I would imagine there's the uh, Entrepreneur's Handbook, which you would just write scribble notes late at night by your bedstand. I remember. I still have the page during my daughter's piano lessons of the flavor. Like, I wasn't paying attention to her piano <laughs> lessons. I was writing down flavor notes, but. She was your muse. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, speaking with Sherelle Klaus, who was the. CEO and founder of Dry Sodas here in Seattle. And when we come back from this break, um, we're going to pop some caps. I want to try this whole line of dry soda and give you my advanced sommelier opinion on uh, these tasty beverages. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back here on 570 KVI. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hope you're having a great Saturday night, and hope you got something great in your glass, because it's time for round three. And I've got uh, I've got six uh, beautiful clear bottles of bubbles, and uh, it's dry soda. I've got the founder CEO Sherelle Klaus in the studio, and Sherelle, um, let's talk about these flavors. The first flavor you thought of was lavender. Is that correct? Yes. All right, I'm going to twist it. You talk about oh, you can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I teased it. There we go. Hey, okay. Um, so lavender, it's uh, you can identify it by the lavender purple um, label, but um, how many? How many lavender, how many <laughs> lavender uh, flowers are in this actual bottle of bubbles? <laughs> well, there's a lot because it's a lavender extract. So, lavender was a was the one that I was most excited about. I think I told you, and people ask me all the time, "What's your favorite flavor?" And I like I like to say, well, the one I'm most proud of is lavender because that's 
one that I literally did 1,200 to 1,300 iterations on to try to get it correct. Really? Yes. Lavender is really difficult to do, which is why mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of lavender stuff out there. There's a few good things out there, but it is, it's, 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 it's really hard to get it right because it can go medicinal or a little too floral. Um, but I think this, this lavender is super soft and balanced, um, and it works really, really well. And so, obviously, we love to um, pair it with chocolate, but it's also great um, with some pork tenderloin, halibut. One of my favorite things to do is um, work with some of the local chefs and ask them, like Thierry Rattereau, our chef in the hat, has done some great um, dinners where he pairs dry with you know several courses, and it's so fun to see what they do. Yeah, that's great, especially when you have the chef because they, uh, they're very creative. They're much more yeah. creative than any sommelier. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's, plus they have to actually take the ingredient, infuse it, use mm-hmm. it, and then actually have one say it was great, whereas we just talk about <laughs> wine knowledge and, and we didn't even make any of it. Um, Tasty. So this, uh, let's let's have a sweet range here. What would you say the sweetness level of this? Ten being Pepsi. Mm-hmm. This would be like a three and a half, right? Yeah. So definitely. And lavender is so. Also, when we talk about the flavors, nice. We have varying sweetness levels with them as well, too. Mm-hmm. So we're never. Most soda companies are going to have the exact same calorie crown across the board. Well, dry sparkling doesn't do that. We actually have to vary the, the sweetness as well as the acidity. So ours range from 45 to 70 calories, which is a quarter to a third of a sugar of a regular soda. That's 11 to 17 grams. So, And uh, lavender would be the highest with 70 calories. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that the brain needs some sugar sometimes to process flavor properly. We can smell vanilla extract and it's beautiful and we go, mmm, I love that. But when you taste it, it doesn't taste the same. So you need sugar to sort of... Yeah, and it gives it fullness. So the sugar really plays in a, a part there and it provides fullness and a cleanness. So people often ask me, well, why would you use a different kind of sweetener? And the answer is no, because we found sugar to be to give it that body and that fullness that you need to be able to fully get that flavor um, and then you go over that amount and then you really are now you're tasting sugar so really at the end of the day if you're drinking a coke or a pepsi mostly what you're tasting is the sugar <laughs> that's for sure i mean you i mean you really are <laughs> and the, uh, they've got a lot of citric acid in there too that's how yeah. they balance that that sweetness yeah and citric acid is a is pretty strong acid that has a, a real strong aftertaste as yes, well so <laughs> uh, which is really a fun thing to play with actually because it is so bright and so yeah. sour so tart um i love it i'm a big lavender fan it's very relaxing it's yeah. a very pleasant flavor and a pleasant aroma um what's next so let's do cucumber. Cucumber. There oh, that's we easy. go. You got that one. This is radio. Perfect. All right. So how did you come up with cucumber then? So cucumber was um, came about about three years after I started the company, and you know we had our original four flavors, and then we did um, juniper berry and vanilla bean were the next two, and then cucumber was the third a year later, and I. It, I'll be honest, I think this one came, this actually came from some some of our customers. They had suggestions of, you've got lavender that reminded them a lot of spa, relaxing, and they're like, why not a cucumber? Why don't we try that? And I was like, okay. So we started kind of looking and playing with cucumber, and I needed it to be really bright and clean, but really refreshing. So it was like, I was picturing ceviche when I was like, okay, I want to be mm. able to drink this with ceviche. I want, I want that brightness. And I feel like cucumber really does it. It's, for me, kind of the most crisp, fresh one we have. Super clean and people love it. So it's 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 one of our top sellers. Um, it is a very attractive cucumber flavor, and I know mm-hmm. cucumbers can range from English to the regular ones, mm-hmm. and uh, a whole host of that fresh versus hints and um, interesting. Have you played with acidity to the extent like you do with sugar? I know that sugar gives you the body and the mouth feel, oh. um, but. Sometimes when you think about wine, you have the acid. And I see now in my palate here, the acidity on the cucumber is very, very late. Yes. 
Absolutely. The city, the acid, and that's why I'm so glad I made all these in my kitchen and I had to do all this because I really learned what acid does to a flavor. And it's amazing. It's such a, I don't know, I maybe sound like kind of a dork but <laughs> or a bit of a flavor nerd, but it's just amazing to me how you can really manipulate those flavors because these are, these are natural extracts and then you're adding sugar and acid and it can really change, really change the, the dynamic. And I think lavender was the one that it changed the most. Sure. Um, but cucumber was another one of those. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tasty. And it's it tastes a little sweeter than the. Is it sweeter? It's not, and that's the funniest wow. one. Is cucumber is this to me is the sweetest on the palate, but it is the lowest calories. The least amount of sugar is in that. Is that and, fascinating? And yeah, it is very fascinating. <laughs> um, but and cucumber is a melon, isn't it? Uh, yes, I believe it is. Yeah, yes. so you have that rind. Yeah. Yeah, you get the rind and um, a melon. It, it reminds me of melon. There's like a, the hint of honeydew in here or something that or it's, watermelon. It's, it's the it's the rind. Yeah, from that. It's really fascinating. Yeah, mm. and that's where you get the tartness too. You can get the mm-hmm. that little you know the green part. Yep. Uh, very cool, and that that's really fun. So lavender, cucumber, and the next one. Let's do juniper berry. Juniper berry. All right. Ah, look at this. <laughs> this is great. I'm sound effects. Okay, the um, the impetus behind juniper. So juniper was one of the first flavor ideas uh, that I came up with uh, during when I was creating this, and I could not get this right. It tasted like a pine tree. It was just, <laughs> and you know what was so fascinating was Carrie Sear at the time who had Cascadia Restaurant. He's one of the first chefs that brought dry in. He had a pine a sorbet. And after, and I had it after I tried to create juniper, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's you made it! You made pine taste like really good." But the way I was making it was it was not good. So I actually went to Jason Wilson, and said, "Jason, I can't get this right. Like, so I wasn't able to put it in my first four flavors because it just it was terrible. It yeah. just didn't work." Um, and he's the one that really helped me. He helped make it, and he put some stuff together, and then we gave that to our flavor house and said, "Okay, this is what this has to taste like." So, and part of it is. Th- I'm a huge fan of gin. <laughs> okay. So that was really kind of the impetus behind that was, and I grew up in Bend, Oregon, where there's lots of juniper trees. Uh-huh. And so just, it's such a homey, it makes me feel good. And I love gin and I thought it would taste really good mixed with gin. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And and it would pair really well. I mean, like I was just thinking this, venison was kind of popular back 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And I was like, God, oh, wouldn't that be so, because you know, people were using juniper berries right? on yep. venison. Yep. So I thought, oh, that's brilliant. That'll really pair with some really hearty type food. I love it. Um, very delicate flavor here because juniper can be one of those off-putting flavors. That's why people mm-hmm. don't really like gin early on because you yep. really need some time to appreciate the complexity of it. And um, this does have a very subtle complexity. There's a little bit of pepper on it as well. It's mm-hmm. on the finish. Um, d- delicious, well-balanced, and fun. All right, what's next? So let's do, let's see here, rhubarb. Rhubarb. All right. Okay. So wow, ru- that one just bursts out of the uh, b- the glass. Yeah, here. super bold. Um, I re- I really like rhubarb a lot. This one I drink quite a bit of this one. It's I like tart, um, and it's really bold and very lush. So I I feel like it's um, and it's it's kind of indulgent a little bit to me, but it's also super refreshing. So and I wanted the complexity because I feel like when I eat rhubarb, there's just so many flavors that I'm getting, wow. and so that was where that concept came from. This is so fun. This has got the longest finish so far. This really lasts, lingers on the palate. I think it's with that acidity. You Mm -hmm. get the tannin, the dryness from the rhubarb skin. So much of the tannin, right? Isn't that crazy? (laughs) And that's really refreshing. It just Mm -hmm. cleanses the palate. That's a beautiful palate cleanser. Um, That's why they make rhubarb uh, sorbets and intermezzos and things like that. That's that's really my favorite so far. Is it? Okay, that's good to hear. I do drink a a lot of rhubarb and that one is just... um, we, we like to 
I pair that with quite a bit. Pizza is one of my favorite things. Like just get get a good pie what from Pagliacci. Well pizza, right? <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so great. Okay, so I'm. We have time for one more, then we'll okay. take a break, and then we're going to do, uh, we'll finish with the Fuji apple, okay. and you're going to make a cocktail, right? Yes, I Which am. Which one are you using for the cocktail? So we're using lavender. Oh, perfect. Okay, so, it'll be yeah, full so circle. Let's, let's so the next one's blood orange. I thought you were going to do Fuji apple. You uh, want to do Fuji apple? Fuji apple yep. first. All let's right, here we go. Fuji apple. Okay, right. so this is our latest, this is the latest one we have just released, and it's um, in, available in Target stores only. We did that in conjunction with Target, but it'll be available in other stores in six months. But a Fuji apple's green, and they got that red dot. This is like the uh, red apple. Oh, yeah. No, Fuji's are red, right? Most uh, orange. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I uh, promise they're red because I eat them all the time. So I love Fuji apple. And the concept here mm-hmm. was, here, we're Washington State, right? I eat Fuji apples on the reg. Yuller. <laughs> and I thought, wouldn't that be so amazing? We get that really crisp. Because there's I mm. apple ciders are just so sweet for me. And there's so yes. much sugar in them. I can't. It's just, it takes. It's all sugar. It's glucose. <laughs> right. And it takes over the apple flavor. And I just wanted this really crisp, clean apple flavor. And so, as you can see, the aroma, the whole studio now yeah, smells like apple, doesn't that's it? That's <laughs> great. It's uh, a little bit of that uh, um, uh, Jolly Rancher, which I like. It makes everyone's <laughs> mouth water. And uh, But this is also dry. and Just a hint of sweetness. Love yeah. the acidity. It's uh, Fuji Apple Dry Soda here on Happy Hour Radio. When we come back from this break, I'll have uh, Sheryl Klaus who's going to make up a cocktail. And uh, we'll try the blood orange, too. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original, Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to three. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle, welcome back. It's time for round four, our final segment. And uh, this is almost a first on Happy Hour Radio. We've gone almost an entire hour and haven't had a drop of alcohol. And yet I'm still happy. We have, we have uh, Dry Sparkling in the house. I've got Sheryl Klaus, who's the CEO and founder of Dry Sparkling, formerly known as Dry Soda. But we're elevating this whole game. It's uh, Dry Sparkling. You've got lavender, cucumber, juniper berry, um, rhubarb, Fuji, apple. And uh, the last one here is Blood Orange. I know you have vanilla bean, which I truly love. And I've, I've enjoyed that on many occasions. But I'm going to try this Blood Orange. Are These, these extracts, are, are they... Pure. I mean, are there any vitamins in this stuff? <laughs> no, this is so. There's not juice in it. It's an actual extract, um, which is a little bit different. But with the blood orange here, you're really getting that very tangy and bright flavor, which was important. I really, I love citrus, and so I wanted to make sure that we had a citrus to pair because it pairs with lots of different things. Plus, at the end of the day, it also makes a great mixer because you're bringing that acidity in. So this one is a little bit higher in the acidity level, and it's uh, 50 calories, so it's a little bit lower range. But so. it still has that. Uh perception of dryness. This must be tan or something that just sort of puts a little it's, paper towel on the tongue. Yeah, and you have got a little bit of that, um, the peel essence in there as well. So you're getting, pith, yeah. yeah, so that's part of that kind of And it does from. have a little orange oil extract on the finish too. Uh, yep. um, very heady. It's, uh, it's, um, the bouquet, the aroma is fresh and it's vibrant, but it's mm-hmm. not overwhelming, which I think is important. Yeah, it's it's a pretty light, um, and they kind of kept it that way so it could be refreshing. So, I just sometimes you just you know like Fanta orange, like you know you just can't drink it. <laughs> no. It's like it's just not that you don't want to enjoy it, or even the Ronciata. Like, I do want to enjoy it, but, but I it's just, just can't. too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, now that we will break this trend of having just uh, non-alcoholic, I'm making um, you a cocktail. All right, so let's talk about this cocktail. What do you got? So this is the L and L. 
So we have we have cocktails that have been made from mixologists around the country, and they're available on our um, website, drysparkling.com. And we actually have a cocktail generator on there where you can pick your flavor notes, the spirit that you have, and the dry sparkling flavor you have, and it'll give you a bunch of these recipes. So this one is called the L&L. The L&L. It features the lavender, um, and it includes... Um, one and a half ounces of vodka, a half an ounce of St. Germain, a little ice, and a nice lemon peel on top. Mm. And pour it into a martini glass, and you have a beautiful cocktail. All right. You well, ready for it? Yeah. Shake okay, it up for me. Shake it up. Ah, that's the sound. I, <laughs> I feel better now. Okay. This is what we do. We, you know, we have uh, real real people, real live cocktail making, and real live sparkling. Um I can see I'm drinking sparkling all day, and <laughs> it lasts throughout the, the day. Look at that. Oh, you do a little float of the you lavender on top. Lavender you keep right that effervescent in there and that and beautiful lemon peel. Go. Yes. that stunning? All right. I like it. We just handed this cocktail across the monitors. I'm thinking, oh, my God. And I'm drinking one, too, so I can't possibly oh, there pour we go. one That's without right. drinking one. <laughs> Come on. We want everyone at the home to be trying some of these as well. And the cocktail Saturday generators night. at drysparkling.com. How many cocktails do you have on there? That is a good question. A lot. <laughs> like those combinations, the soft drinks, the 346,000. Exactly. I, I know that it's like anywhere, like anywhere between 50 and 150. I know there's a lot. Uh, well, this is a real treat for me. Um, congratulations on your success. This is a very successful brand, I assume, yes. being national. Yes. And uh, well, here's a toast to you and dry sparkling. Thank you. Cheers. Here's to you, too. Oh, wow. That is good, huh? <laughs> wow. I'm I'm kind of speechless on that. That, <laughs> that is very beguiling. That is a great word for that. It's, yes, uh, there's certainly charm, and, it, and it's just it's almost like it's blushing in there, but it's it's not changing color. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a soft and cozy little drink, yeah. but it's cold. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm. It's that. It's that lavender. Darn it! I just love it. <laughs> it is, and uh, maybe it's because I finally have uh, my hand stopped shaking. So this is <laughs> kidding. No, we drink in moderation. We're spitting here. That's right. Um, I For love sure. the lemon peel. The lemon peel really adds uh, just the hint of acidity here because mm-hmm. you get the germane is a little sweet, the yep. lavender is a little sweet, but and it's all about the essence. It's just enough yep. uh, lemon oil to um, complement it. Yes. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, we need little umbrellas now, and uh, well, we've got the rest of the night to party. So um, w- this is great. Do you have any events coming up? Any You'll be out and about. Uh, where can we find all your sodas? Well, so Dry is available nationwide. Sparklings. Dry, <laughs> dry Sparklings, that's right, are available nationwide and um, now in all of our Target stores. Um, so you can do that. And we are, we're involved in lots of different events. We've got the Aspen Food and Wine coming up, Nantucket Food and Wine, and then, of course, the amazing Koshan 555 events that are all over the country. Yeah, Koshan 555. That was fantastic. Was there uh, a couple weeks ago and floated up, amazing. Floated up on the pork. <laughs> well, Cheryl Klaus, uh, drysparkling.com. You've got eight flavors, is it? Nine. Nine flavors. We have flavors. some available in cans as well. Okay, so. so fun. So perfect for any time of the day, night, yep. uh, or year, and it goes with a whole host of fun and food. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. This was really fun. Oh, I'm having so much fun, folks. Hope you enjoyed the show with uh, the Nordic cuisine and uh, dry sparkling. Um, really tasty stuff, and I like it because they're not full of sugar. Hey, uh, coming up this month, we've got the Rosé Revival. That's out at Ray's Boathouse on May 26th, and the Taste of West Seattle. Uh, look for Coral Wines. We'll be at both of those events. And um, if you ever miss a show, remember you can go to our website. It's happyhourradio.net. And I would like to remind you, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!